Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and you've stopped on a very auspicious day because on this day, as we inch ever closer to All Hallows' Eve, we've decided here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop to treat you to a double feature on this Monday. For we have not one, but two movies of particular importance to talk about. So without further ado, in this episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, we'll take a look at part one of our double feature as we pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Peacock film, Five Nights at Freddy's. So, yeah, I mean, we've done sort of double features before. Sometimes we've done in one episode. Sometimes we've done a couple episodes. But it's really one of those things that I've developed for the podcast out of necessity. Because especially this time of year, we're coming up on Halloween. Of course, you're probably listening to this on Monday, October the 30th. At least that's when it's dropping. Uh, tomorrow, the 31st on Halloween, we've got our Halloween special. And there's just a ton of ton of content out there. A lot of movies and TV shows and and things just being hit at us left and right and up and down. This time of year, you're getting a, a ton of Halloween content and I don't want to miss out on any of it. So I decided, you know, we're going to do a double feature. We're going to do two episodes on this Monday. And uh, the first one is going to be Five Nights at Freddy's, which we'll be talking about here briefly. And the other one is another movie that's uh, video on demand. Of course, Five Nights at Freddy's, you can watch on Peacock. But uh, Dark Harvest came out video on demand earlier this month and it's a movie that i had on my radar it had it on my list of things to watch and to look out for but it was one of those things where it just i just got bombarded with so much stuff to go over whether it be tv series or movies and i kind of lost track of it but i realized it's on video on demand and a perfect movie leading up to halloween if it wasn't for the fact that I've already got my Halloween special uh, planned out, I would probably do that on the Halloween special. But I, I, you know, when I do reviews on that, I tend to keep them short just because we're talking about a lot of different things on the Halloween special. So uh, I'm really glad to have a, a full episode, even though I'm going to try. I keep telling my wife I'm not going to run too long on these, and she always laughs because I always run very long on my episodes. But I do want to have enough time to really talk about uh, Dark Harvest because it is a really good movie uh, for this time of year. And uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, you know, the movie we're talking about this episode. We'll talk about Dark Harvest in part two of our double feature uh, on on another episode that you can listen to after this. But Five Nights at Freddy's is uh, a movie that came out on Peacock. And the one thing I didn't realize, because uh, I'm not much of a gamer. I mean, back in the day, 
I like to play Atari. I like to play Nintendo. I even got into Sega Genesis. But after that, I just kind of fell out of playing video games because the, the consoles got too expensive and I was a, a poor kid and uh, and even poor uh, in my 20s and 30s and 40s. But I found out that this is based off a video game series called Five Nights at Freddy's, which came out in 2014, I believe. I'm surprised I had not heard of it, even though I'm not a gamer and I don't play a, a crap ton of games. I, I do kind of like to keep my ear to the railroad track and pay attention to what games are out there, especially when it comes to horror games. But this video game series... Tons of entries into it, like nine in the main video game series, and then they've got tons of spinoffs and and things like that. But it's based on these uh, this fictional pizza place, Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. And in these video games, they all take place in locations connected to the Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. And of course, you spend the night in this location, and you're trying to fend off animatronic creatures, animals. The Freddy Bear being the uh, most infamous of them in this video game series. Uh, it's no great spoiler, because if you watch the trailer for Five Nights at Freddy's, it spells all this out pretty pretty plainly. So that that's not a huge spoiler. But they did a movie based on Five Nights at Freddy's video game series, and it came out on Peacock uh, late last week, I believe on the 26th or 27th. Yeah, it was the 26th. Just watching some of the trailers for it. And it seemed like every horror movie I went to at the movie theater had a trailer for Five Nights at Freddy's. And anytime I was watching something streaming on, on whatever, uh, if it had commercials, there was a commercial for Five Nights at Freddy's. So I thought, you know, they're really pushing this. They're really promoting this. And it's Halloween and it's a horror movie. And well, the movie doesn't directly tie in with the, the holiday. It is kind of that creepy uh, ghost story type of movie that I think is is the perfect movie for this time of year. So I was like, I'm all in. I want to check this out. I, I liked the, uh, well, I, the cast isn't that uh, well known, except for our main character, Mike, who's played by Josh Hutcherson. Uh, you know him from, Jesus, how many how many movies has he done? It was in Polar Express, Zathura, RV, uh, of course, The Hunger Games. He's done some TV, like uh, Future Man. and uh, So the guy's been all over TV and, and film, and I like him as an actor. Josh Hutcherson, I think, uh, doesn't get enough play in Hollywood. I'd like to see him in more things because I really like him as an actor. I think he does a really good job and I think he does a really good job with this Mike Schmidt character in Five Nights at Freddy's. And not to mention the cast because the, the supporting cast under him are all quite good as well. Matthew Lillard from Scream fame uh, has a has a part in this that I, I, I almost didn't recognize him. It's been a long time since I've seen him. It wasn't really noticeable at first. I was like, his voice sounds familiar but I didn't realize it was him until later but he does a really good job Elizabeth Lael does a really good job Piper Rubio uh, who plays Mike's younger sister Abby uh, they all do a 
really good job. But I have to say, one of the most impressive things about this movie is the fact that the the special effects, uh, practical CG or other, uh, were all really good. I mean, this was a this was a slick looking film as far as the the effects go, and. Well, you know, you think, oh, it's going straight to streaming. It's probably going to be a lesser quality. It really didn't feel like it. This felt like a theatrical release. Just happened to be released on streaming. For whatever reason, that Universal decided to to release this to Peacock as opposed to putting it out in theaters. I, I don't understand that because I think this could have been a theatrical release. But... Uh, but you know what? I'm glad I got to enjoy it, whether it's on streaming, whether it would have been in the theaters, because I thought this was a really good movie. Now, I have to say that if you don't like movies that with a lot of setup and a lot of character development, you're probably going to be bored through the first half to two-thirds of this movie, because it is a lot of setup. There is a lot of the human element between Mike and his sister, Abby, and the situation that they find themselves in. I'm trying not to be spoilery at this point in the game. I'll tell you when we're getting into some spoilers, but you have to set that up to set the stakes as to why things are happening. And then when things start to unravel and you start to put the pieces together and there's a there's a bit of mystery to it, there's a bit of a... There's you know this one character Vanessa you're like there is something more that she's not telling and you you feel that throughout the whole movie so it does set up a, a good mystery the beginning could feel like it drags a little bit but if you're willing to get through like I said some of that character development and some of that story development uh, I think you're going to be pleased with the end result. It's not a terribly scary movie. They do attempt some jump scares, which are, for my money, they're bad jump scares. But there is a reprisal of this jump scare at the very end, like a mid credit scene, that pays off the joke of the jump scare. Uh, so, you know, you're not going to get a lot of scares, but it does have a lot of creepy atmosphere and a lot of creepy elements to it. And it does have a little bit of little bit of blood uh not a ton it's not a terribly gory film i can't remember seeing a rating on this but i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb and say this was a a pg-13 horror film and and you know what? you can do some really good horror with pg-13 it doesn't have to be r you don't have to have a bunch of titties and f words and your blood and guts to make a good horror film sometimes it helps sometimes films need those sorts of things but but this isn't one of those films and like i said not a ton of scares but a scary environment and a scary creepy vibe to the whole thing so uh, that's all i'm going to say about this before we get into spoilers i really enjoyed it it's not my favorite movie of the year but i thought it was a good creepy movie that had a good story i think that's probably one of the biggest things about this is while it didn't have a lot of scares it had a good story that played into the creepiness of Halloween so I enjoyed it in that regard so if you haven't watched Five Nights at Freddy's uh, check it out it's streaming on Peacock I think it's definitely worth the watch and uh, if you have watched it and you want to hear my thoughts on it in a more spoiler centric environment then we're going to press on if you don't care one way or the other you just want to hear what it's about and you may may not watch it you're just very ambivalent you just got a very uh, zfg uh attitude about you i can appreciate that i'm a zfg kind of guy myself 
So go and uh, and watch it if you haven't. But uh, if you're ready for some spoilers, we're going to press on. So first off, I really liked the story between Mike and Abby. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, they lost their parents. Relatively speaking, the mother's dead. The father just up and left. Mike's trying to keep his his aunt, his money-grabbing aunt, from taking Abby from him. And I like the backstory of how Mike, as a child, like 12, 13 years old, witnessed his younger brother, who would have been in between Mike and Abby, witnessed him being abducted and and taken away. And that, that causes problems in his job. And it, it really sets an interesting backstory for him and a, an interesting story about how he's trying to use dream manipulation, for lack of a better term. But he's trying to go into his dreams and he keeps having this reoccurring dream about his brother's abduction, trying to find some missing piece to, to find his brother. And I thought that really played into an interesting theme of this movie. Maybe not an overt theme, but to me, it it very much felt like a, he was hanging on to the past so much uh, with his brother that has gone missing that he is not uh, paying attention to the future with the younger sister that he does have and and creating a, a healthy environment for, for her to grow up in. He's so focused on finding his younger brother that his younger sister kind of feels like an afterthought. And I thought that was an interesting story to, to delve into, you know, not being so caught up in the mistakes of the past that you're sacrificing the future. And I think that's where this movie got a lot of its heart from, that relationship between Mike and Abby and the situation that they're in and everything Mike's trying to do to just keep his his family together and even though he is focusing too much on his younger brother that he lost all those years ago he still loves his sister and doesn't want to leave her doesn't want her to leave him that moment when he realizes that he is the center of her whole world was a touching scene so I, I think you really needed that and I think you needed all of that setup that you did get. Because I heard some complaints, uh, a lot of people complaining online uh, in comments and, and whatnot, that the movie was boring. The first part of the movie, the first half of the movie was boring. Well, I, I get it. It wasn't action-packed, and you're watching a horror movie to see horror. But I think you, you do need to have those character moments, and you do have to build up that heart that this relationship gives to the movie because it is that relationship it is the heart of that relationship that sets the stakes for why all of this matters why mike has to save the day i thought the vanessa character was really interesting as well played by uh, elizabeth lale uh, she's probably an actress you've seen before i remember her from the once upon a time tv series uh, she's done other characters throughout, you know, different television shows. But I liked her performance. I liked her character. I thought her character was really interesting because through through the whole thing, you felt like there was something up with her. She just shows up conveniently. And and I knew it wasn't just because of bad writing. There was a reason for it. And, and I like how it played out you incrementally. Now, granted, she could have just spilled the beans right away and... Saved us a lot of time and a lot of heartache, but uh, I liked how you incrementally got bits of her story, and you could even see and hear in some of the things she said that there's a deeper meaning to what she was saying, and and I liked the 
Well, it wasn't a terrible surprise. I figured at one point she had to have something to do with whoever owned this Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. But it was a little bit of a shock. Uh, I mean, when you first meet Matthew Lillard's character, he's Mike's career counselor, trying to get him a job. He he has this job that he gets Mike at this Freddy Fazbear's uh, Pizza. At first, you think there's something weird with him, but then he kind of disappears. But not before a very telling scene that makes so much more sense once you get the reveal as to who he is. Because when he's interviewing uh, Mike's character and, and talking about getting him a job, once he sees Mike's last name, there is a bit of recognition with Matthew Lillard's character. He, he recognizes him. And you chalk it up at first to it's just, well, you know, the story of Mike and his missing brother has probably been in the papers uh, for, for several years. It's probably become a, a bit of a local legend. So maybe he realizes and he starts acting a lot nicer to, to Mike uh, character. And you just chalk it up to, you know, he realizes who he is, what he's gone through, and he's being a little nicer. And then he offers him this this job at Freddy Fazbear's. And, and you think of it as just, oh, he's just, you know, a, a decent guy trying to help Mike out. But then when you get that reveal later that he's the child abductor that snatched up the kids at Freddy Fazbear's, the five kids that you hear about in the trailer, and then you realize that he is the one that abducted Mike's brother all those years ago it just you know that scene earlier where the name recognition it, it finally makes sense as to what that recognition really meant and it's it's actually kind of a chilling scene once you realize because they don't come out and say it in the movie it's something you have to put together on your own and and once you realize that what has just happened what the real revelation is is that he knew right away that Mike was the older brother of this kid he abducted and he was sending him to the Freddy Fazbear's essentially sacrificing him to those ghost children expecting them to get him it just makes for a you know a chilling tale and it amps up the psychological horror of this movie uh it just takes it up another notch and and I really liked how the revelation of who Matthew Lillard's character was came about, but all of the implications that they set up earlier as to what it all meant. It just really was a, a great reveal and that early little seed that they planted that, you know, you chalked it up to one thing, but it really meant another. And, and that's the kind of writing I like. I thought, to me, that was good writing. And then when you get the revelation that he is... Vanessa's father and he is the one behind all of this and probably the one of the more shocking things is to find out that he is the guy that kidnapped Mike's younger brother that was a bit of a, a twist I didn't see coming so that was kind of interesting uh it, it made some of the things that I saw coming a mile away feel like oh that that's okay because I didn't see that twist and I quite enjoyed that while this movie didn't have a ton of scares it had a ton of creepy moments and I think one of the biggest creepy moments was the involvement of these five children that that disappeared at this pizzeria this Freddy's pizzeria place when they're showing up in Mike's dreams it was kind of creepy uh, the whole notion that they are willing to barter with with Mike and tell him what happened to his younger brother all those years ago if he gives them Abby 
was a creepy notion. The fact that the dead want the living, that, that's always been a creepy notion to me. From Poltergeist to the Twilight Zone episode, Long Distance Call. Uh, there's just, you know, the, the dead trying to, to lure the living to, to come play with them is always kind of a creepy notion and it sets a creepy table for atmosphere and tension that really worked with this movie. As I said, for a movie that didn't have a lot of scares, it did have a lot of creepy moments. And then it had a lot of, not gratuitous gore. I think the scene where the bad guys, <laughs> the group of guys that are under the employee of the ant that are trying to mess up you know, the place to get Mike fired, uh, you knew they were going in there as fodder for these animatronic creatures. And it didn't disappoint. But because you got a little bit of gore, like I said, this is probably more of a PG-13 film, so it wasn't gratuitous, it wasn't overly bloody, but you did have some really interesting scenes. Uh, the one scene where the girl, and you see it play out in the trailer, where the girl is standing on the chair, uh, looking up into Freddy's mouth, and all of a sudden this hand reaches out, it's the ghost hand of the little boy that's possessing this this animatronic creature. But then you see the rest of it play out in the sh silhouette of a shadow, and you see the, the bear like chomp down on the upper torso of her, and bite it off, and then the, the lower portion of her flops down, and you see little like shadows of blood splurting out. It was, it was an interesting way to show gore without really showing gore. It was an interesting way to show the horror of it and the dismemberment of it all without having to do a ton of blood and guts, which I thought was was interesting. I, You know what? I've liked to see blood and guts in that scene. Uh, maybe, but the way they did it made it so I was still kind of, oh, fuck. <laughs> that kind of reaction came out of me. Uh, and I, there wasn't a drop of blood to be seen or a, an entrail to be found. So I think they got fairly clever with some of the gore, you know, taking out some of the gore, but still having notes of that in there. I, I found that really interesting and, and, and quite enjoyable. And I kind of did like how the, the animatronic Freddy and his gang of animatronic friends, all, all these animatronic robots being possessed by the, the spirit of a dead child. I did like how they, they're kind of painted as a bad guy, but they're only bad when they feel threatened and being manipulated by the Matthew Lillard character. It's very much a Frankenstein's monster kind of trope. The monster in this isn't the monster you see. It isn't the, the disfigured uh, abomination that's the true monster. Uh, the real monster is the monster who made what looks like the monster in this movie. It's it's a, a trope that we will delve into as well in part two of our double feature in the next episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop today uh, with Dark Harvest has a very similar theme about it that I, I really enjoy. I mean, it's, it's nothing new under the sun. We've seen this before since Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, maybe even before that, but, but especially since Frankenstein came out. And it's an idea that still works. It just brings a new life and a different light to an old tried and true uh, form of storytelling in horror. And I like how they played it out with Abby explaining to them what happened and breaking that manipulative connection between Matthew Lillard's character and the spirits of these kids to where they turn on him. I, I thought was a 
Not terribly original, but definitely effective in this movie. So while the story was was interesting, I liked it. It didn't have any, maybe a couple minor surprises. Matthew Lillard being the the guy who was essentially the bad guy in this was a, was a little bit of a surprise. But for the most part, the story played out exactly where you thought it was going to go in, in all other aspects of it. I think the thing that really makes this interesting and a good horror film is, like I said, the tension and the atmosphere that they set up. I mean, it was really creepy, but the effects, I think, were probably some of the most impressive things about this the animatronic and i'm sure a lot of it was people in suits i know there's probably some cg in there as well uh this thing with a little cupcake <laughs> coming to life and flying places here and there and attacking people i'm sure that was a little bit of cg here and there but they they had a nice mix of practical and cg that really gave some weight to these characters that you don't get with complete cg characters and that's what i was afraid this was going to be a lot of cg and it really didn't feel like it even when it was some cg involved it didn't feel like completely cg characters and that part and parcel of the fact that i think they used a lot of practical and and the the practical department that did all the work on the creature design that's the one thing that was a little i'm not going to say disappointing but i think it would have been a little more effective in the scare department is if i mean these creatures these these animatronic animals look creepy from jump street even even when they're showing like the the old commercial for freddy fazbear's pizza you know the the animatronic uh, animals look creepy as fuck in those commercials and i know as a as a little kid uh you wouldn't have caught me within 10 miles of that place those things would have a nightmare fuel to seven eight year old me so to see them creepy as possessed by little kids it wasn't that big of a difference it wasn't that big of a shock i think if they would have made them a little more endearing to children a little more adorable looking and then once they're possessed then they kind of get twisted a little bit i think that would have it would have ratcheted up the creepiness factor and i think it would have made them a little scarier I mean, they were scary from Jump Street and creepy from Jump Street. I wish it would have seen a little bit of a difference from unpossessed animatronic creatures to possessed animatronic creatures. I, I just wish there would have a little been, been a little bit of a differentiation between those two. But ultimately, not a bad movie. It did feel like it was a little long. We're talking about an hour, 49 minutes. They probably could have shaved a little off that because, like I said, you know, the one of the biggest complaints is the, the beginning was boring. And I wouldn't say it was boring. Like I said, it did have a lot of character and story development in that time. That's not to say they couldn't have made some scenes a little bit more effective and maybe got a little more out of it so you didn't have to spell everything out in so many different scenes. They could have condensed this, I guess is probably what I'm trying to say. So they could have shaved off, you know, maybe like 10 minutes. I think if they would have shaved 10 minutes off this movie, this would have been a better paced movie. I don't think you would have had people 
belly aching as much about the the beginning being too boring and and i think it would have helped in that regard it would have been nice if there were a few more scares there just wasn't very many scares there there was a ton not a ton but there was a couple jump scares with this with this little uh, i don't know what it is like a little statuary thing of this character you have mike opening up a, a locker door and it they do a big loud sound effect and jump cut to this thing. And, and I was like, ah, that's a shitty jump scare. And then they do it again with this thing sitting on a shelf. And I'm like, oh, now this is getting ridiculous. They're just doing the same jump scare. And then I finally got the joke when they do a mid credit scene with the cab driver from earlier in the movie. And all of a sudden they jump cut to this this little statuary figurine sitting in the passenger seat of his car. They do a jump cut to that and a loud sound effect and he jumps. And then, then I got it. I got the joke there, which kind of made it funny, which I, I guess this isn't a movie that is about jump scares. It is an atmosphere driven movie. So maybe that was the point and the joke that they were trying to make. Uh, I think the music in this was really good. The Newton brothers, uh, were responsible for the score in this, and I thought they really did a good job. I, I've every time they show up uh, doing the music for a movie, uh, I think the last one I saw was and wasn't even a movie; it was a series. Fall of the House of Usher uh, was really good. A lot of Mike Flanagan stuff they do the music for, and they do a really good job with this. I haven't really talked about the director, Emma Tammy, who I thought did a really good job with this movie. Like I said, uh, the beginning, I think, could have been trimmed down just a little bit and condensed. And the emotional collateral you're trying to build could have been done a little more efficiently. But but all in all, that aside, I thought she did a really good job. And not a director that I'm terribly familiar with. I know she did a couple of the Into the Dark films for, for Hulu in that series, which I've been slowly but surely trying to make my way through some of those. Uh, I just haven't got to all of them, so I'm really interested to see what she did in those. But I really enjoyed what she did with this. Like I said, there wasn't a ton of scares, but this didn't really seem like a, a jump scare driven sort of movie, and I didn't even want that. I, I really hate bad jump scares. I'd rather have no jump scares at all than to have a bunch of bad ones and I think that was a part of the joke with the little little figurine but but she really did a good job of creating an atmosphere and attention and and the look of the film was great and uh, I, I thought the writing was really good I thought it had an interesting story now I know game purists will probably beg to differ with me and they'll probably bitch that it's uh, an abomination because video game fans uh, are generally dissatisfied with uh, adaptations of their favorite video games but as somebody who's never played the video game and doesn't know anything about the video games uh, other than the most basic of information i enjoyed the writing of this i enjoyed the story how they integrated that into aspects of the movie that i felt oh i i could see that being in a video game you know looking down a dark hall and seeing these eyes light up and and then the silhouette of this animatronic uh, creature coming towards you i could see that in a video game and, and i thought they did a really good job with those 
those sorts of things. So the directing, the writing, the look of this cinematography from Lynn Moncrief, uh, I thought the cinematography was really good. There was good use of light and dark. There was a good use of color and, and like the neon lights of this old Chuck E. Cheese style kids romper room. Uh, I thought they made great effect of, of some of that really cool neon and flashing and strobing lighting. I thought uh, did a good job with that. So all in all, I mean, the film looked really good. Like I said, Josh Hutcherson does a, a fantastic job. An actor I'd like to see in more movies, especially more genre movies like this, horror movies and, and sci-fi and, and whatnot. I think he does a really good job. And the whole cast, I thought, did an excellent job in this movie. And, and I think that's what made this so enjoyable. You have a movie with heart. You have a movie that is about people you care about. And that just raises the stakes. And I thought it was an interesting story. It wasn't just a straight up ghost of the bad guys. We have to exercise them and they're gone. I thought there was a lot of complexity to the story. A lot of interesting things and aspects of the story that leave you wondering where this could go next. If they are going to do a sequel to this. And it had really good effects and really good atmosphere. It was a creepy movie. It wasn't a terribly scary movie, but it definitely was a creepy movie. And when you're talking about Ghost Kids, uh, there's not much that's creepier than Ghost Kids. But Five Nights at Freddy's, definitely worth a watch if you've got Peacock. If you Even if you don't have Peacock, to get Peacock for a month, it's... You know, it's less than you're going to spend going to the movie theater. So I would suggest getting Peacock for a month and checking this out. And I think you'll be glad you spent the money to get a month of Peacock to be able to watch this movie. Like I said, you're going to pay more for a movie ticket and popcorn and a pop. That's if you're just going by yourself. So I think it's definitely worth checking out. So uh, to do that, if you haven't watched Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, check that out. If you have watched it, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a pretty good movie. A movie that I enjoyed to watch, and it was something creepy to watch right around Halloween. And that's all I'm asking for. And it was an enjoyable movie. And that's, again, when I'm watching movies, it's all I care about. Did I have a good time watching it? Did I enjoy watching it? And I did enjoy watching this movie. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Five Nights at Freddy's. You can check out more with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Everything that's going on with horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as what's going on with this podcast. Please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome, but we do appreciate any review and any feedback. Whatever you do, please follow, like, subscribe, whatever you're particular podcast platform of choice uh, calls it please do that so you can stay on top of what's going on that way we know that uh, that you're out there listening and don't forget to share this with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction of course this episode is part one of our double feature leading up to the big halloween special uh tomorrow on october 31st so be listening we got another episode that you can check out our next episode is going to be about the new video on demand movie dark harvest uh, based off the uh, book by the same name. So we're going to be talking about that. So uh, check that out. And then tomorrow, October 31st, we have our Halloween special where we're going to be talking about another Halloween special that came out on Hulu with the uh, American Horror Stories. 
Huluween event that they did, a little four-episode uh, mini-season. Uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of my favorite Halloween anthologies uh, that are a good thing to watch uh, this time of year if you got a Halloween party going on tomorrow night or, or any time. And who knows, we're going to talk about some other Halloween-centric stuff, but uh, be listening for that coming up on tomorrow's episode. But uh, we still got one more episode today, so be listening. We've got uh, another episode that you can check out with this on Dark Harvest. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!